All right, well, good morning. It is wonderful to see everyone here this morning. You know, I heard a story. I'm going to start with this because I thought this was funny. You know, we've had a series about heaven that Pastor Jeff has been working on. We're going to deviate uh, today just a little bit from that. But I heard this story, and it ties in with what he's kind of talked about and dovetails into what we're going to talk about. So I thought I'd share it this morning. It seems there was a guy who, who died and went to heaven. You always love stories that start out this way, right? So I'll give you a disclaimer. This is not doctrinally sound, okay, but it's funny. So there's this man who dies and he goes to heaven. And he's, he's walking around. He's, he's looking at all the people that he sees up there. And he, and he sees the people he expects. There's Moses. There's Abraham. But then he comes across some people he's a little surprised by. There's this guy who stole his lunch money in seventh grade. And there's his former neighbor at the last house he lived at, the one who was always mean, never had nothing nice to say. There was this guy who routinely knocked his trash cans over going down the road. He sees a guy who hit his mailbox one time. He sees a guy who chewed him out at the grocery store for no reason. He's seeing all these people that are just mean, nasty, awful people. And the more he's walking along, the more he's thinking, something's not right. You know, this, this is the problem. i got a problem with this. These are not nice people. And we're in heaven. So finally, he pulls Peter aside, and he, he says, Hey, Peter, i got a question. He says, Yeah? He said, Look, since I got here, I've been seeing all these people that are awful. I mean, we're talking, these are just trash. These are terrible, horrible people. And everywhere I've been walking along, they're all just looking at me in stunned silence. Nobody's saying anything. He said, What gives? He said, well, son, I hate to break it to you, but they're honestly kind of surprised to see you here. (laughs) So we're talking today about serving with your whole heart, right? If you've got your Bibles, you can uh, turn to, flip, log in, access, whatever we're doing today. Uh, You know, I loved it this morning in Marlene's class. I heard a lot of pages riffling. Mine were up there riffling. I missed that. There was something about, you know, when the pastor would say, turn to something, and you heard pages rippling all over the church. I like that. Maybe, I was going to say, maybe there's an app for that. Maybe you can flip through and it'll kind of riffle. I missed that. So we're going to start off with looking at Joshua 24:15, And this is one that's very familiar. Choose you this day who you will serve. Now that sounds pretty simple, right? Choose this day who you're going to serve. Got it, God, no problem. Well, let's take a look at this for a moment. The word servant comes from the Greek word doulos, which I am not a Greek scholar by any means, but I love to look these words up. And the literal translation of that word in the Greek, now again, this is the Hebrew, but if you look at this in the Greek, it means slave. Now you go back and you look at the Hebrew versions, it's also the same type of thing. I started off with this in Matthew, and this was kind of a funny thing. I was torn, I've got to be honest with you. As I was coming up this week on what to talk about, I've been praying about it for the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if you call it writer's block or not when, when you're dealing with sermons because it's not really you know, me writing it. I'm, I'm praying and asking God. But I would start on something, and I kept going off on all these tangents, just rabbit trails. And I'm like, this would be a great sermon. Boy, this would be a great sermon. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, boy, but none of this is going to tie together. It's just going to sound like we're just wandering all over the place. And and usually I don't have a problem with with being in the Old Testament for scriptures. I love it, but usually I'm drawn to the New Testament. But with this one, I kept going back to the Old. And I thought, okay, so I started in Matthew, so I looked this word up in the Greek, ended up in the Old Testament a lot. But same concept, means a slave. Now, in a metaphorical sense, this word is used to mean voluntary service, and it's also applied to words like uh, prophet, minister, uh, that Greek word is also like the root word where we get uh, the word for deacon. So the idea of, of a servant, voluntary servant. But the literal translation of that means a slave. And yet we're commanded to choose. So let's take a moment. Let's look at this idea about choosing just for a moment. Because this is something that's key to everything we're going to be looking at today. This idea about choice. Because it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a once-a-month. It's an everyday, every-moment thing that we have to do. So if you go to Deuteronomy, this is in chapter 30, we're going to start in verse 15. And God says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, 
keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. Don't, don't you love it when a teacher gives you an answer to a question? He gives you the answers up front. But have you ever had those problems where they give you the answer and you still kind of scratch your head? <laughs> this is not really an easy list that he gives you here, is it? If you really think about what he's telling you to do, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, keep all the rules. Yeah, but God, but what about when this person does this thing that's mean? What about when this guy gets in my face? You know, Marlene, you were talking about that. People don't want to hear things, right? You mean I can't, I can't yell back at them? No, you know, you can't yell back at them. Well, but why? Well, right here he's telling us, here's the things you have to do. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve him, I declare to you today you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And then just to make sure he's saying which one are you going to pick, just to make sure we get it right, he tells us, therefore choose life. He makes it easy for us. That what? That you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and your length of days, that you may dwell in the land. So he's telling us right up front, death and life, good and evil. In a lot of ways, it's up to us. He sets it before us, and he tells us, I need you to choose. I'm giving you the option to go both ways. Take a look at it and see what you want to do, but I would choose life if it was me. Well, Gil, you mentioned talking about starting out in Isaiah, looking for a verse. I did find one in Isaiah I liked. It was in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 that says what? If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So we see this same concept repeated. And you remember, I've said this before. If God finds it important enough to repeat a concept in Scripture, it really ought to catch our attention that we should listen to it and try and do what it says. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, willing and obedient, that, that sounds pretty straightforward. But I like to go back, and just to make sure I really have a clear understanding, I like to go back and look these words up. Willing basically means to be acquiescent. As a verb, it's used to mean to yield or to desire. So that tells me that if you are willing and obedient, if I want to be willing... I'm not really necessarily going to go with my first reaction. My first inclination is probably not going to be the right one because I have to yield to something higher than myself. The primary meaning of it means to be positively inclined to respond to, respond to some authority. Well, in this case, which authority are we talking about? We're talking about the authority of God Almighty. So it's our job to yield to Him. And yet He still gives us the choice. Now the word obedient means to hear intelligently, but it also has the, the clause with understanding. So it's not enough that we can just take a verse here or there and kind of run with it, right? We have to, to really dig in and figure out, God, what does your word say? What am I supposed to do? If I'm going to be a servant, I need to know what my job is, right? I need to know what I'm supposed to be doing every day. On the flip side of that, refuse and rebel. To refuse means to utterly refuse. It's not just like, ah, I don't feel like doing that right now, God. It's a complete turning away and saying, I'm not doing this at all. You can't make me do it. The first thought that came to my mind with this is, you know, if you look in the news right now, there's a lot of people, a lot of people all over the country, very upset with the whole mask mandate. And depending on the state you're in and the governor they've got, it kind of depends on the level of frustration they have with it. But there are some people who from the get-go have flat out said, I'm not doing it, I'm not going to have it, don't even come near me, don't bother with it. And yet God's word tells us that all authority is given by God. So as Christians, how are we supposed to respond to those kinds of things? Do we just say, I'm not fooling with it, not going to do it, not happening? Or do we say, I don't like it, but I'm going to yield to this 
Not out of respect for your elected officials, but out of respect of what God's Word tells us to do. Food for thought. But it says, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But God gives us each the choice. Now, the idea of having choice kind of goes head-to-head -head with some different uh, schools of thought that you'll find, different denominations, different churches. Uh, there are some people who are, are you know, into predestination. It doesn't matter what you do. God's got it all mapped out. Well, let's take a look at something. In Jeremiah 29, now this is one I, I'm sure most of you could probably quote from memory. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, there's two things I want to point out with this, because this is important as we look at, at a lot of these passages today. Number one, God has a plan. So yes, God knows the plans He has for you. But does that necessarily mean that you're going to stay on the right path? Not always, right? He still leaves it up to us to choose which way we want to go with that. The other thing is I want you to notice, if you, if you haven't caught it already, a lot of the scriptures that we're going to look at in here today are if this, then that kind of statements. So this one starts off, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. What? Then you will call upon me and I will come and hear you. That word then at some point means we have to make a choice to get on line with His plan for us. The one we've heard a lot today, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now this passage is oftentimes read at, at prayer gatherings. Um, and, and I love the fact that, that all three of us this morning had this laid on our hearts because it's great confirmation for me. But one thing that, that is not usually mentioned with this, a lot of times people read this and they think about our country, they think about our nation. If America will just turn back and come to God, if it... But it doesn't say that. If my people. Well, who's that talking about? That's talking about us, right? That's the church. So this is not talking about the people that don't know God, right? Because they don't know any better anyway. That's why they're acting the way they do. This is talking about God's kids, the ones who ought to know better. Maybe we're not making the right kinds of choices sometimes. Something to think about because it's, this is specific. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, now this tells us about the world in general, right? But understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And again, just to make sure we don't miss it, he says, avoid such people. <laughs> this just sounds like I just turned on the 6 o'clock news, though, right? I mean, it really does. This is every news broadcast you're going to turn on right now. You're seeing this everywhere. And why? Because these are our natural tendencies. You know, if you ever watch nature shows and they have animals or tigers or something, and they have these things out in the wild, at some point you'll usually hear the commentator say, they're following their natural instinct. This is their natural tendency to do this or to act this way. 2 Timothy 3 basically just put humanity in a nutshell. This is our natural state. Since we've had the fall, this is our natural state. We're lovers of self, we're lovers of money, we're proud, we're arrogant, we're abusive, we're disobedient. On and on and on. Which is why we go back to 2 Chronicles. It says, if my people will humble themselves and turn from this. Again, there's that choice right? So we look at this because the first step in service, if we're going to say we want to serve God with all of our heart, the very first place we have to start with service is obedience. If you can't obey, you can't serve. Yeah, I tell my kids this, that sometimes me and my, my sons have been out working on projects and stuff, and even when they were younger, we'd be working the tools and I would tell them what to do. Not expecting them to do it perfect, but just so they didn't get hurt. You know, don't, don't hit that thing this way. Don't, don't do it this way. 
And invariably, they would get to that point, like all of us probably have, where they just don't listen. And you just stop and say, okay, you're not listening, you're done. Sit over here, you can watch, you're not helping right now. Why? Because you're not listening, you're not obeying. I can't trust you at this point with it. Well, God kind of does us the same way. You know, He's given all of us a gift, and we're going to get to that. But God expects all of us to be doing something. But it's up to us to make that choice whether or not we want to do it. Do we want to obey? Do we want to step out? And God lets us have it either way. But there's consequences either way. And Marlene, you mentioned that this morning. There are. There's consequences either way. If we choose to obey, great. I said before you, life and death, good and evil. If you choose life, you choose good, here's what you can expect. You walk in disobedience, here's what you can expect. And it shouldn't come as a surprise to us because we get what we choose. You know, if you think about going up to a buffet line, you don't pick out a dish and say, you know, I want the steak or I want the chicken, and then they hand you something totally different. And you're like, oh, that's not what I chose. Okay, great. No, I mean, you get what you choose. It works the same way spiritually. I mean, give you a good example. It's God's plan that everyone be saved, right? That's God's plan. Does everyone get saved? No. But Jeremiah says he knows the plans he has for them, right? He knew the plans he had for those people, and they didn't get saved. Why not? Well, the predestination group would kind of tell you, well, you know, God knew who was going to get saved, and who, so we don't have to do anything. No, the point of it is, is they chose not to listen. You know, sadly, you think, well, maybe they never heard. Well, now it starts coming back a little bit more on our end of things, because whose job is it to tell them? Ours, right? Not just me. Not just Pastor Jeff. It's, it's all of our jobs. Because God has the plan for them. It's His will that they be saved, and yet people die every day that don't have a clue who their Savior is. And that pattern is consistent in every area of life. Everything in the Bible pertains to this simple matter about choice. So if it's fair and we want to say, yes, we want to do God's will, I think that's a fair statement. Would, would everyone... If you say, do you want to do God's will, the answer should be yes, right? We do. But how do we go about doing this? And do we do it wholeheartedly, or do we maybe do it kind of, kind of grudgingly? Do we, do we go kicking and screaming? Or do we say, yeah, God, I, I want to do this? Because you can't serve God grudgingly. Let's take a look at this. In Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at kind of a longer passage. I've got 17 verses here. We may, I've got a little time, we may go through all this. But it says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now let's just stop there for a minute and let's think about this. In the natural course of things, we may have, what, financial difficulties. There could be health issues. There's a lot of things in this world that can be bad that the devil throws at you to try and attack you, right? But what does it say here? It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Why is that important? Because think about it. How much does a dead person worry about paying the bills? Probably not a lot, right? Usually when someone passes away, the common phrase you hear at some point is, well, their troubles are over. Their troubles are behind them, right? Well, now we know physically we're still alive here, but the concept of what this is saying is keep your focus on God. Don't look at the storm that's around you. A lot of the mistakes that are in the Bible are there for our instruction, right? To show us this is an example of what not to do. Walking on the water, right? What happened? Looks around. When he sees the storm, that's when he sinks. He was serving. He knew it. He said, God, if it's you, tell me to come on out. He was stepped out willingly. But the minute he stepped out, he started looking around. And now all of a sudden, whoa, this looks bad. And that's when he sank. Same thing happens to us. If God tells us something to do in his word or gives us an assurance in his word that he's got something covered, are we okay with that? Do we accept it? Or do we still worry about it? Do we still have to try and figure it out? And that's one that I used to struggle with and have to catch myself with sometimes because I'm, I'm a figure-it-out kind of guy. I don't like not having plans. 
You know, my wife will tell you, I'll sit there and I'll start running down scenarios and I've got, char- I've got all this stuff drawn out, trying to cover all the bases. You know, I've gotten to a point to where I've started kind of giving that up because God has showed me so many times that His plan not only is better than anything I would have come up with, it usually comes from a direction that I had no clue where it was coming from and works in a way that if you'd asked me, I'd have said, there's no way that can happen. So I give up. You know, God has a plan. He does what He wants to do. I just try to follow along as best I can. But look what He says to do. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. That covers a whole lot just right there. And He says to put them to death inside of you so they're not even... When these things come up, they don't even bother you. They don't, you don't notice it. You're not looking at that. Because it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But then he also says, now, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Why? Because you've put off the old self, right? When we accept Christ, we accept that new self. The old part of us is dead. It's gone. So he's saying, don't do that stuff. It says, here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised. I wish this was a message that was making it out right now. Because if you wanted to put this in a modern setting, so many pastors could stand up today and say, you know what? Here it's not black, it's not white. Christ is in all, we're in Him. One body of believers. I would love to hear that message talked about so much today. Because there's so much opportunity for that, and our country needs so much of that. And he tells us what? Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And I like how he puts this bearing with one another. Right? You ever meet those people you don't like them, but you know you have to love them? Yeah. Bearing with one another, okay? He says, look, I know, but you've got to put up with them. You know, bear with them. Help them out, because they're going to turn around and help you out. That's how this works. This is where it starts, because the thing that has to motivate us for service, we have to be obedient, but the thing that really has to motivate us is love. Because if we don't approach it from that standpoint, if we don't approach it from the standpoint of, I want to get out and do this because, and you have to put love into that sentence, it becomes work. As parents... We do a lot of things for our kids that we're not necessarily going to do for the neighbor's kids, right? And there's a lot of times that I know my my mom used to tell me when I was a kid, she'd get so frustrated at me. And you get that variation of the phrase of, I'm going to take you out of this world and make another one just like you. I got that one a lot as a kid and justly deserved. I was a handful. But, you know, she was always good and she was always patient My dad always patient with me. God's always patient with us. You know, we're not always going to get it right, but he's there. His mercy's new every morning. But we have to have that same love. Above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If your life feels totally disarrayed right now and you feel totally out of whack, go back and check your love walk before you look at anything else. Because when your love walk starts to get off kilter, It throws everything out of harmony. And you'll find stuff starting to bother you that never would have bothered you before. Little things will just start to come up. And then it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How much time do we spend in God's word on a regular basis? Is it just what we get on Sunday morning or do we do time every day with it? You know, one of the things that comes up sometimes is, you know, God, I'd love to do more of this. I just don't have time. I want to be obedient. I want to read your word. But, you know, I'm just so busy with things. I think that's only an easy thing to say because God's not necessarily physically present with us. Like we can see him. He's here. But like I can look down and, you know, I see one of you and you can look up here and see me. It's a little different. I think if we stood right in front of Jesus today and we said, you know what? I would love to hang out with you right now, but I'm just, I'm too busy. Now, forget the fact that we just spent the last half hour maybe praying and asking him for all the things we need. 
And he's like, okay, I've got the answer for you. It's right here. I, I, got, I don't have time for this. I've got to go. What's he supposed to do? <laughs> you know, he's not going to chase us down and beat us over the head with it and say, no, you've got to read this right now. He gives us the choice, right? We have to make that choice to say, no, I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to stop. Why? Because I want to do this for God. Look what it says a little further down in chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward because you're serving Christ. Whether we're doing our jobs, whether we're doing work for the Lord, doing ministry work, He tells us to do it heartily. He doesn't tell us to do it half-heartedly, not, not grudgingly, not because I have to. Have you ever worked at something heartily? I mean, you really have worked at something. Um, maybe you were in sports. And you really wanted to make first string. You really wanted to do it. So you were out there every practice. I mean, just getting the stuffing knocked out of you. You were pounding it. You were doing everything you could. You know, maybe it was something with music. Maybe it was art. Maybe it was history, some other subject you liked. Maybe it's a hobby, building a car. Maybe, you know, whatever it might be in your life that, that's really something that motivates you and drives you. When you do it, you don't just kind of sit there and be like, eh, I'll do a little of this. Okay, I'm good. I'll come back next week. You do it heartily. You get after it. And every minute you're not doing it, you wish you were. Anybody else have things like that? I have things like that. I can't wait to get back to them because I'm excited about it. I want to do it. Well, that's what we should be doing in everything. If you figure out how, let me know because I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. But God says to do it heartily. Why? Because we're not working for men. We're, we're doing it for God. That's that attitude of service, though. And it comes from love. It's motivated by love. Now, there are passages that I read, and I'm not going to go through all of them this morning, but there are passages where serving reluctantly or serving grudgingly comes up a lot. Uh, in the King James, the word murmuring is used. I'm sure you're familiar with that one. If you've read any of the Old Testament, you'll see this comes up a lot. In fact, that word's used over a hundred times in the King James, murmuring. Well, that basically means doing it because you have to. I don't really want to, but I have to. In the first Corinthians, let's take a look at this. Um, it says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, this is in chapter 10, that our fathers, okay, so he's talking to the church, and he's talking about their, their forebears. He says, So our fathers were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. I don't want that said about me. I don't know about you, but I, I really don't want that said about me. But why? It goes down a little further and it tells you. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, right? This, this is just, the people sat down to eat, drink, they rose up to play, okay? That basically, that phrase tells me that they come in, they get fed, and then instead of going out and doing the work they're supposed to do, they're off there goofing off. They're not getting it done. Don't indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now that can mean two different things. The idea of grumbling can be something we say on the outside. I can't stand this. I hate this. This is just the most aggravating. Why do I have to do this? Most often, though, it's something that we say on the inside. You know, maybe we come into church and we put on our, our church faces, right? We're all smiles, we're all happy. And maybe we're sitting there singing things like, oh, I can't stand this music. I don't like this song. I don't, I don't want to worship God. Oh, when is that preacher ever going to be quiet? I've got things to do. This is dull. You know, whatever it may be, right? Or maybe you've, you're on the list to rotate out and help out with a certain department and, oh, it's my week again. Oh, I don't want to do it today, you know. And we've all been there. It's, this is not a condemnation kind of thing. We've all had those moments. But that's grudgingly. 
When we do things like that, when we serve like that, when we offer to help people and we're kind of thinking, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this, such an aggravation. We're not doing it with our whole heart and we're not doing it with love. And if we're not doing it the right way, God's really not pleased with that. So we have to check ourselves. I mean, Philippians puts it, it really plain in chapter 2, verse 14. Paul just says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Yes, I have used that scripture at home with the kids a lot. <laughs> do it. Don't gripe about it. Why? Bible says. But, you know, I have to tell myself this sometimes, too. I'll be upset and fussing about something, and I'll be like, I don't want to do this. Why do I have to do... Oh. And usually God gets a hold of me in the morning. He's like, you're grabbing again. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that. And it's not that God wants us to be blissfully ignorant, okay? Some people get this mistaken concept, and they go the other way too far with it. They say, okay, everything's horrible and awful, but you know, I'm just great. I'm just going to... No, it's... You know, things are going to be hard. We're going to have hard times. And it's not saying we should be happy about that. It's not saying we should be overjoyed to be going through a difficulty. And it's not saying that we should put on some kind of false joy for doing something we really don't like. What it means is that's an area... If you think of sculpture... Now, I've always been amazed at really good sculptors. You know, whether it's ice sculpture or stone or marble or something, they take these massive blocks and they just start chipping away at it. And you start getting this rough outline... And it, the more they work on it, the more realistic it looks. And, and I've seen some pieces that have just absolutely amazed me. Uh, we went down last year. If you've never been, they have a thing here in York where they have ice sculptures in the, in the city that they do. Um, and we've taken the kids down and gone and looked at it. And I'm amazed. And it's also pretty cool because they have things like blowtorches and chainsaws they do it with. So, you know, guys, that's a plus to go watch them do it. But they come up with the most amazing stuff. And I just sat there totally amazed and floored. I'm like, how did they do this? But they chip away those rough edges. God does that with us. As we grow in our walk with Him, if we come to Him willing and say, God, I want to serve. I want to do more. You know, I see the news. I look outside. I see there's a world dying around me, and I'm sitting here on my hands, and I want to do something. I don't want to show up with nothing. You know, I'm not looking for fire insurance. I want to get on the other side and say, God... Here's the stuff you told me to do. Look, I, I did my part. And him say, well done. That is really the only attaboy I ever really want. It's nice to get it from work. It's nice to get it from, you know, your spouse or whatever. But I want that one from God. I really do. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I know there's some days where I've sat there and said, yeah, yeah, I missed it today, God. I, I'm glad you didn't come today because this was not a good day. <laughs> you know, I blew it. Thanks for giving me another chance. But, you know, he works on us. If we come to him with that willing heart and say, God, let me love as Christ loves. Teach me how. Because I don't know. And he knows we don't know. But we get in his word and he'll show us. And as we spend time in his word, he starts to chip those rough edges off. He starts to smooth them out. And we start to react and do things in ways that surprise us. You know, there have been times that you know, the kids are a great example. You know, sometimes kids, they just do things that just, you just have to get up and walk out of the room for a minute. You know, maybe throw the pillow over your face, scream, beat your mattress, something. You're just so frustrated, you know, it's like, they're just driving me up the wall. Well, now, you know, I've got five at home. Thank you, God. And now there are things that happen, and it's like, it happens, and you're just kind of like, okay, we'll clean it up, whatever, no big deal. It's not the end of the world. And my older two will tell you, Okay, my firstborn will tell you, gee, Dad, you have mellowed out a lot. <laughs> Boy, if I'd have done that, you wouldn't have just stopped at that. I'd have been in all kinds of trouble. And yes, and then, of course, the younger ones are sitting there with that look on their face like, yeah, I'm the baby, yeah. Getting away with it, that's okay. But, you know, that's that, that's that grace, that's that growth in love that God has given me as a father. It's like I see things, and instead of flipping out, that's not a big deal. Nobody's hurt. You know, we can fix this, whatever. It's okay. Was I like that initially? No, I was not. <laughs> I'm an only child, so, so a house full of kids, I was not used to that. God had a lot of work he had to do here. But I'm so glad he did. And whatever area he's called you to do, if you'll give yourself to God with that wholeheartedness and say, God, I don't want to hold nothing back. If it means I have to be embarrassed, okay, fine. If it means I have to do something else terrible in my mind, 
okay, fine. I want to do it. And you know the great thing I've learned about God? He doesn't just throw you off in the deep end of the pool. If you come to him and say, God, I, I want to do something for you. I'm, I'm ready. What can I do? He knows you, and he knows what you need to grow. So he'll start you off with something that's doable. Maybe it stretches you just a little bit, but he'll let you do that and give you time to get used to it and then time to start growing a little bit more. As long as you plug that desire in and feed that desire in, he's going to keep giving you stuff. It's when we pull back and say, no, I'm good. I didn't get time for this. I'm busy. He says, okay. And then we go on for a little ways, and that's when we find ourselves having those wilderness and those valley moments and say, God, how did I end up here? And sometimes we blame God. God, why did you let this happen to me? When we get to that quiet moment where we're ready to listen, we get through all the anger and all the frustration and all the hurt, and we're really ready to listen, my experience anyway has always been God says, well, it's back here when you decided to walk away. Yeah. But then we come back. And aren't you glad for God's mercy? Because when we pray and we ask God and say, yeah, you're right, I, I totally, and, and I'm, this is just funny, but I'm sure God loves hearing that. And we say, yeah, God, you're right, like, like he would be wrong. You know? <laughs> yeah, gee, you're right, God. But he comes back and he says, you know, it's okay. And when he restores us back to that fellowship, it's not like we have to take months and years and work our way back to where we were. It's almost like hitting the reset button on a video game. He picks us back and he says, boom, okay, this is where we were at. Let's just keep going again. This is good. We don't have to earn it back. First Peter chapter 4, verses 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another, what, without grumbling? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Did you realize that the gift that God has given you is one of the tools that God uses to demonstrate His grace to other people? That's pretty cool. I think that's just awesome to think that there is something I could do that would demonstrate something that God did. I mean, you almost feel like a little kid getting to work with dad's tools or something. You know, it's like, I'm doing a, this is great. But what's he say? He says, use it. There's that choice again. You know, God gives us gifts, but if we choose not to use them, what would the flip side of this be? As each of you has received a gift, if you choose not to use it to serve one another, you're not being good stewards of God's grace. You're not demonstrating my grace. That's the flip side of that. So in this case, it's not just something. She or some people say, well, I'm making my own choices, but it's not hurting anybody else. It's just what I'm doing. Well, not according to this. If you're not demonstrating God's grace to somebody else, and you could, that's just being selfish. You know, that's not really helping somebody else out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it tells us what? To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Some people tell me, say, I don't understand what God's will is. Well, there, there, there's an example you can look at. Rejoice always. Don't stop praying. Give thanks. If you do that, the rest of it kind of falls into place for us. Now, again, this doesn't mean that we thank God for the hard times. We thank Him because He has the answer and the way out when we get into hard times. Now, you remember initially that we mentioned that we were servants, right? The word literally means slave. And if, if you said, I want to be a servant of God, I think we could all say we would say that, right? We want to serve God. We want to do that. But, you know, if you looked at it from the standpoint of that literal translation, that kind of means that we would never really mess up, right? We would just simply obey. If we're slaves, we're obeying our master in all things. But we don't do that. And the reason we don't do that is in John chapter 15, where Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. 
So this is how we can know God's will and why we can ask Him and expect an answer because He tells us. All I've heard from my Father, I'll make known to you. Why? Because you're my friend. It's kind of like we got promoted, right? We're not just servants anymore. We, we do still serve. We have obligations. But now God is, now this is God. This is Jesus Christ, God incarnate, right? God is saying, I've called you my friend. Now, most of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal. And we're not going to look at the whole thing today. Uh, but the story, you know, that the young man is there in the kingdom. He tells his dad, hey, I want my inheritance now. Dad says, okay. He goes out, he wastes it, comes back and says, I'm not even worthy to be here. And his dad comes down and running and gets him and says, hey, it's my son, let's have a party, he's back. Bring out the best stuff, bring out the fatted calf, bring out the, the rings and the robes, this is wonderful. But now let's pick it up in chapter 25, this is Luke 15. Because this is a part of the story that often gets overlooked. But it says, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's back. Your father's killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But the older brother, look, he was angry. And he refused to go in. And his father came out and talked with him. But he answered his father, he said, look, all these years I've served you, I have never disobeyed. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate. But when this son of yours... You can just hear a brother saying this. When this guy comes home, he's devoured your property. He's killed you. You're giving him the fatted calf. And the dad says to him, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Look at how the, the dad answers him. He says, all that I have is yours. When we really begin to get a hold of God's Word and realize who we really are in Christ, we're going to have a hunger for it. And as we draw closer, we begin to realize that all of the book applies to us. Not just bits and pieces. Nothing has passed away. The only limiting factor is ourselves. Do we really believe it or do we not? From that very basis comes the foundation of our faith, and faith always produces action. If you're having real faith, if you're looking at serving with your whole heart, real faith in God's Word is always going to produce action. Why? Because faith without works is what? It's dead. And if our faith is dead, then what we basically have here is a social gathering, not a place where we come together to experience the one true living God. If you're holding back, you can't really serve God wholeheartedly. You know, I talked to some people and... Like I said, we've gone through and looked at a lot of this, and you see a lot of if this, then this kind of statements. And, and I've had people tell me things like, well, you know, yeah, you can't always take them that way, though sometimes they mean this, sometimes they don't. But you read through there, there's never a clear indication of, okay, this is a passage that's kind of one or kind of the other. I like to be crazy enough to think God inspired this book. If God said, if you do this, then you're going to get this, I'm going to accept that as truth. It's a true statement. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to say, well, yes, but. Because every time I've heard somebody question a passage of Scripture, they always tell me the reason they question it is based on, well, my experience. And it's not that we want to discount experience, but maybe there was something we missed. Maybe there was something we didn't see. Who knows? I knew a pastor one time who, when I initially heard him, he was very big on preaching healing. Uh, you know, I listened to some of his older sermons. He was one we were looking to, to hire at a former church. And it, several sermons in there of, yes, you know, God heals. And that was kind of unusual because for the denomination, they were eh, iffy on healing. It wasn't something they really talked about much. But he would just throw it out there. It's like, yep, this is what the Bible says verbatim. Here you go. And after a few years, I heard him preach again and got to talking with him because he changed a lot of it. And he'd really retracted a lot of, of some of his initial beliefs. And I said, well, what happened? You know, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, he said, you know, so-and-so, you know, this person got this issue and this person had this and they died and, you know, we prayed for them and, you know, I guess maybe we just missed it. God says this, but maybe we, we got this part wrong. I'm not even going to inject an opinion. You know, I'm not going to say, well, he didn't have faith. I'm not, that's not my place to say. I'm not going to question what he's going through. 
But I will say this, if we ever get to a point where we basically go against what God's Word says, we're missing the ball somewhere. It's not God. His Word doesn't change, and His Word's always faithful and true. If we're going to say that, that means we have to accept it regardless of circumstance. That means even in the midst of the storms that we see going on around us, we have to continue to serve. We have to continue to put ourselves out there and say, God, I want to do what you want done. You know, I, I read sometimes, um, like the Voice of the Martyrs and some of these, and I think sometimes we have difficulty saying something to somebody in our workplace. How are they going to react? What are they going to think? And then I'll read through an email and I'll read something about a person who their family was drugged out of their home in the middle of the night. Their kids were killed in front of them. And they said, we're going to kill you too if you don't recant your faith, and they didn't do it. And suddenly my problems don't look so big. But the reality of it is, if we don't stand up now as Christians, it will get that bad at some point. We can't take a back seat. You know, it's not about just going to church and just trying to do the right thing. These are dark times. And I think there are darker days ahead. But I don't let myself get concerned with it because what does God say? He says His Word is a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Whatever God has called you to do, whatever God is laying on your heart, whatever He's been dealing with you on, if you haven't stepped out yet to do it, do it. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed the next five minutes. But in the moment that you have, that's a moment of decision. We have a choice. And if we're not serving God the way we need to, we need to. We need to make that change. We need to make it today. It's not God's will that we perish. But He allows us our choices. And if we hold ourselves back and we don't share with others, if we don't tell people, you know, look, here's how you get out of this mess. You know, we, can't, we can't do that. And he makes it simple. Go back to Deuteronomy. Look at what we see in verse 15. He says, see, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. And in verse 20, he gives us the answer, therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live. We can do that. God's given us His Word. And He's given us the ability to do it. What do you say we can do? Some things through Christ who gives us strength on occasion? No, all things, right? We can do all things through Christ who what gives us strength. It's not out of ourselves. When we get to the point where we realize that we don't even have to have the answer figured out, He's already got it, it makes it so much easier. We just say, okay, I'll go do it. And we can trust that He's going to give us what we need as we go. Now let's pray. God, we thank You, Father, for Your Word. And Lord, like, like the statue, Father, we ask that You would continue to work on each of us. I know I look at my own life, God, and I see so many rough patches, so many things I still want You to smooth out on me. And I can see You doing it on a daily basis, and I'm so glad. God, it's my heartfelt plea not just for myself, but for our church. That you would make each of us to be the people that you want us to be, God. Help us to be bold for you. Help us to serve you, God, with gladness and with joy. In any area and in all situations that come up, Father, help us to have that boldness. God, we see that prayed for in the New Testament. Say, make me bold. And we see the results of it, Father, in Acts. We see Peter, who a guy who denied you, flat out said, no, I don't know that guy. We see him later in the book of Acts. He's come back. He's repented. He's where he needs to be. And he steps out in boldness, and thousands get saved. God, it could happen here. We want it to happen here. and We want to be a part of it, Father. But in whatever small or large manner you choose to use each of us, God, I pray that we would go here willing to do it. Father, please direct us in your word to grow us so that we can be more like you, that we can see what we need to do. And God, above all, help us to walk in love towards others. The enemy is sowing so much hate and discord in our country right now. God, it's everywhere from coast to coast. 
and there's fear in between it with disease and threats of problems and economic destruction. and There's so much going on, God. But help us to demonstrate that peace and that love, Lord, that we have knowing that you have got the answer. That we can totally trust you. That it doesn't matter. That you're taking care of things. But help us not to, to cower down, Lord. Help us to stand out boldly. Because these are dark times, but in the darkest times, God, that's when people need the light the most. I pray that we wouldn't hide our light under a bushel, God, but we would let it shine forth for you. The time is growing short, Lord. We know that. The signs are all around us. I pray that we would be very dutiful and very busy to do the work you've called us to do. And God, I don't want to be remiss if there's anybody here that hasn't made the first initial decision that first step in obedience in obeying the call that God has on your life to say, hey, I love you and I can fix you. That point where we come up and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I trust that you're the Son of God and I need to know you, Father. If there's anybody here right now that that's you and the Spirit is speaking with you, you don't have to leave here the same way you came. If you're watching online right now and that's you and those words are really hitting home with you and you're like, yeah, I've, I've had this, this spot in my heart that just I don't know what needs to fill it. There's something missing. You don't have to stay that way. The answer you're looking for is Jesus Christ. But if that's you and you're here, if you'd be willing to slip up your hand, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you and you're watching online, I'm going to pray with you. Father, you know our needs. You see us where we're at. And God, maybe there's somebody right now who's here or watching who says, what I really need is you, Father. For that person, I would just say, if you'll pray and say, Lord, I need you. Please forgive me of where I have messed up in my life. I need you to come in and take charge. I need you to be in charge of my life. I want you in my life. Say, Jesus, I need you. And if you really pray that and say, please forgive me of where I've messed up, make me right with you, Father, so that I can do what you need me to do, that I can be who you need me to be. If that's you and you've prayed that prayer believing it to be true, then you've got your answer. And your life will never be the same again and it'll be better because you finally found that missing piece of what you needed. And Lord, for the rest of us that have already committed to follow you, God, we thank you that for those rough spots, you're continuing to work on us. We know that you're going to continue to do that, God. We have faith in it and we trust you and thank you for all that you do. Lord, we ask as we leave this place today that you would continue to keep us safe. Bring us all back together soon, Lord. We ask you to please take care of the pastor and his families are traveling. Bring them back safely. And Lord, help us all to be more willing servants today than we were yesterday. And let that be our prayer every day going forward, Father. Help us to learn what it means to serve you wholeheartedly and then to make the choice to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.